0: Hi folks, welcome back to Scrum 5, ESPN's weekly podcast of rugby in the Southern Hemisphere. It's Sam Bruce deputising in the host chair for Andy with us today, who's been called away last minute on an off-site. but we have got a special guest for you, Rupert Guinness from Fairfax fame. Welcome, Rupert.
1: Sam, thanks for having me, mate. It's great to be here. It's uh, always listen to the show. Now I'm on the other end of the microphone, so hopefully what I say makes sense.
0: I'm sure it will. Let's get straight into it. Um, The first point we're going to cover this week is Michael Checker. He had the Wallabies or a potential bunch of Wallabies away at a two-day camp at Cockatoo Island here in Sydney of all places. Uh, Just a bit of a get to know you and and re-push that Wallabies message from last year. But how concerned do you think he'll be with the form of the Australian side's?
1: Look, I know Michael has, you has know, said publicly he's not concerned and he's confident with uh, the players he's got and the combinations that he has to choose from. But I don't believe him. There's no way. I, I, you can't watch this Super Rugby contest unfold as it has and then not be worried about the Australian teams. I just don't believe that Michael Checker is not concerned. I think um, he's actually just trying to be, uh, you know, maybe bluffing a little bit, but also just out of respect to the uh, to the super coaches. Sure. He doesn't want to unruffle their feathers, and he needs their support somewhere along the
0: line during a, a wallaby season, so he doesn't want to upset the apple cart there. Let's start with the Waratahs on Sunday in um, what can only be described as just a, a woeful performance against the Rebels, and credit to the Rebels. It's a pretty simple game plan, but they executed well. The Waratahs, on the other hand, really struggled with the fundamentals of the game, you'd have to say.
1: Oh, for sure, Sam. I mean... I, I said to somebody that uh, that's got to be one of the worst performances of the Waratahs I've seen, and there's been a lot of worst performances. <laughs> and you sort of think, you know, uh, but, but fundamental skills, as you say, that they're the skills that you learn at schoolboy rugby, and these are professional athletes. And I know we've seen this before with Waratah sides and other teams as well along the way, but um, I just think it's it's a really massive, uh, you know, flaw. It's worse than a flaw, it's just, it's just as professionals, they shouldn't be doing that. It's like if I made a whole heap of typos in the story, which I do make typos, (laughs) but a whole heap of them, I don't know about that. And I just think that it should, uh, you know, uh, Daryl Gibson has got to be really worried. Um, I think there's something really amiss. It was almost like a Waratah side that was playing without um, pride, dare I say it. I'm sure individually they're trying their best, but uh, collectively they're not the side that won a super title a couple of years ago.
0: Are there a few players in that side that should be worried about their Wallabies positions? I know Israel Folau probably had his Worst game I think we've seen in rugby on the weekend, but we know he's at a lock at fifteen for the Wallabies. Nick Phipps, geez I thought when Matt Lucas came on late in the game that he probably deserves a start this week. Obviously Kirtley Beale was out injured. Michael Hooper wasn't his usual self, looks a bit tired to me. I mean what's what are your thoughts on these Wallabies guys?
1: Look, I, I agree with you. I think I think there are some players, uh, he said Matt Lucas when he came on he you know he he really left an imprint there and it was one third of the way into the uh, super season, a very timely imprint as well. Uh, you know, Nick Phipps has had a, a, a number of games where he's, had, he's finished with question marks around him. There's gotta be pressure on him. Um, interestingly, you said Michael Hooper, yes. I think um, uh, he's not Mr. Invincible. You know, and Sean McMahon's playing really well at the moment, and I I think everyone knows that uh, when he got selected in the Wallaby squad, his enthusiasm was what really uh, got him into that squad, and Checker spoke about that, and that kept pressure on the uh, the back rowers during that World Cup campaign, and he's stepped up, and Michael Hooper hasn't stepped up, and there's massive pressure on him, I think.
0: Earlier in round six we of course saw the Brumbies and Chiefs do battle down in Canberra. It was pretty even for about the first 40 to 50 minutes but then we saw the Chiefs really go up a gear in that second half and that's our second point today. Geez, that was some marker route.
1: It certainly was. We've talked about the third way into the season and uh, that's a massive performance by the Chiefs and it's you know some people may try and say well the Brumbies have got their off field issues and stuff like that. I don't take that at all. I don't think that have infected their game whatsoever. You know, Brumby's culture is to play uh, as they play even when there's drama you know, in the boardroom. That's historically it's always been that way. So they can't use that as a reason. I'm not saying they are using it, but if Brumby fans are suggesting that's the case, that's not the case. Um, uh, the Chiefs got to give the Chiefs credit for how they're playing. They are playing superb rugby and, uh, you know, to to beat a
0: Brumby side like that uh, is not by coincidence. They're they're playing a remarkable game. I think it really showed the gulf between the skill sets and what I wrote about in in Pick and Go this week, Uh, particularly Aaron Cruden. I mean, we've seen over the years when guys have had serious knee injuries that it quite often takes 18 months to two years even before they seem to get back to their best. But, geez, he looks like he hasn't missed a beat.
1: No, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you you know, you, you talk about... Even in, in their, in their uh, recovery or comeback, you know, the work that they do, I mean, I'm sure he's, he's got to, you know, he's had to come back, but he's, he, he's obviously done a lot of work with his basic skill sets as well when he can, and use uh, used that diligence to the simple things, the stuff we don't see behind the scenes, you know, in those grey afternoons when nothing else is happening, but they're, you know, they may have one leg left. <laughs> but they're still able to do something, and I think that's sort of something which um, Australia lacks, I don't know, you know, obviously can't talk about all the players, but I just sort of suggest that, you know, when you see how the skill levels drop in Australian teams massively, um, it's, it's, well, yeah, I don't believe they're as conscientious as what a Kiwi player is, and, you uh, you put that all together in a team like the Chiefs, and then you get an end result like that against the Brumbies.
0: I think you'd have to say too that in terms of those All Blacks vacancies that we know are there from last year's World Cup, Dan Carter, Richie McCaw, Nono, Conrad Smith, there's a host of guys in New Zealand, particularly the Chiefs, who are really putting their hand up and saying, "I want this." Whereas in Australia, with our vacancies, no one's really announcing themselves.
1: No, in Australia, in Australia, I think in Australia players would expect it, whereas the Kiwi players, as you said, they want it. They've got to put their hands up, and they know they have to. Step up another level. They know there's a massive opportunity there to uh, not just get selected for the uh, for the first test for the All Blacks this year, but this is like a, a new generation coming in. And you can get a, if you get that position in an All Black side, you can hold it for a long time. Because the reason why you can hold it is because you know beneath you there's pressure, so you have to maintain that level. And I just think in Australia, because there isn't the depth, even when players get into a Wallabies squad. Uh, they subconsciously don't feel the pressure because they know there's a massive void of, of, of talent behind them. And I just think it's, it's almost, that, the better you get in the, in the uh, All Blacks rugby uh, scheme of things, the harder it gets because there's all that pressure there. And uh, yeah, I just think it's uh, you know, there's certainly life after. Um, you know uh, Dan Carter and Richie McCaw etc. In, in the All Blacks side, and we've seen that in All Blacks teams in the past how they just churn out players after players of the same skill, the same calibre of player.
0: We don't, so you know, it'll be very interesting to see this year. Just quickly on Damian McKenzie, obviously has Ben Smith blocking him there at fullback for the All Blacks. But if you're Steve Hansen, are you throwing him in for maybe one Test against Wales come June?
1: Oh, I, th- I think it's always good to give. If there's an opportunity, because I don't think the, the it's not going to be a massive. Uh, change or shift in the uh, quality of that All Blacks side, so why not? I think it's, it's 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 really valuable to give somebody experience, and uh, you know whether whether it works or not. I don't think I mean it may affect the end result of that test, but I don't think it's going to you know affect the
0: uh, the uh, the outcome of the All Blacks' future. So why not give them a crack? Just before we leave the Chiefs, then are uh, are they the clear favourites now for the Super Rugby title? Oh, I think you'd have to say so. You know, and I think they'll embrace that too. I think they'll, I think
1: there's a lot more in that Chiefs side. Um, it's really exciting to, to, to. You know, they're the side you want to watch each, each week now. You know, whoever they're playing, you want to watch the Chiefs play because that's the standard of rugby that the Super Tournament's got to be uh, uh, basing itself on. And any team that wants to win that title has got to at least play at that level, if not better
0: and crucially have their South African tour, or they had to do the also the leg to Argentina this year for the first time, have that out of the way. Uh, now just a couple of games across in Australia and their New Zealand derbies to come. So, yeah, really a team to watch. Uh, another team that has their South African tour out of the way, calling in at Perth on the way home, are the Crusaders. Uh, have they been flying a little under the radar? Well,
1: um, they I think they traditionally do sort of fly under the radar this, this at this point of the season. Um I think in many ways, because you know their you know, like last season didn't go so well for them, I think it's um, the pressures off them a bit. So I think they're actually—I'm uh, not saying they are in a comfort zone, but I just think they're in a really good place. And um, it's almost like they would like to think if those you know that bogey season or two is out of the way, um, because in the years past everyone just looked to them. as if We were just talking about the Chiefs. Yeah. The pressure's off them now, and perhaps in the Crusaders, you know, uh, outfit they can start to enjoy their rugby a bit more. Um, just subconsciously, they just uh, can relax and play more natural rugby. And then they're in a position now where, um, uh, you know, they, traditionally they do end up getting momentum towards the back end of the season. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I definitely would keep another eye on the Crusaders for sure. Uh,
0: they had two differing wins over in South Africa, a really grinding win over the Sharks. And then a sort of a points fest against the Lions last week. Uh, Ryan Crotty, another player probably pushing alongside Charlie Nartai for Mar. a vacant jersey there in the All Blacks. How important is it to win in varying fashions? Oh, massively so. Because you just, you particularly you know, when you get to the knockout rounds
1: and you just don't know what the conditions are going to be like. You don't know what the, uh, you don't know where you're going to be playing. For starters, and you may have to play. It's, that's one of the unique things of Super Rugby is, uh, you know, you can be playing at home. Then next week you may have to be in South Africa, and then you may have to be in New Zealand. After that, playing knockout rounds, so you have to be adaptable. And um, that's as much as a f- uh, mental thing as a physical thing. But uh, if you can't uh, handle that situation, you're not going to win uh, a title, and because you, you can't use it as, as excuses. And for that. Talking about the style of game, I think you've got to, you know, you could be, you know, Kiwi sides play differently than South African sides. So you have to be adaptable within a week to, to play a different style of game. I know teams say we play our style of game. Uh, it's always interesting to, I can't understand the theory of saying we're not worried about what, how they play, we're worried about how we play. But you still have to combat a side that, that has a certain style. So the more uh, adaptable you can be, the better
0: and calling, off in, uh, or calling in in Perth on the way home there now. They're at the moment facing the Force on Friday night. Uh, comfortable win?
1: Oh, I think so. You know, I don't know. How, how did the Force lose that game last week? I I'm still scratching my head.
0: Well, they, they spilled plenty of claret. I don't think I've ever seen that many head <laughs> yeah, knocks in a true. game, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, one more win there, and they would be sailing back to, or flying back to New Zealand uh, pretty happy, you would have to say. Mm. Point four, the Jaguars. Um, a team I think everyone was really excited to watch this year, held out a lot of hope. A lot of people had them penciled in as a pretty much a finals guarantee. To me, it looks like they've almost picked up where the Pumas left off at the World Cup and that they're creating a lot of line breaks, they're moving the ball, but the finishing and a lot of push passes is really costing them victories.
1: Yeah, I think maybe, um, uh, you know, I think they're an exciting side and I agree with you. It's almost like maybe they're too excited I mean, it's the first time they're in the tournament. Um, it's the first time the tournament's had this many teams, a lot of attention on them. They've, as you said, coming off the World Cup where individually their confidence is probably pretty high. And, um, you know, that can, you know, maybe it is to add to, to trying too hard and trying to get the result too, too quick, too early. And I think, um, uh, and also with the, with the team adapting to Super Rugby, it's a new comp- competition for them. Uh, individually and collectively. So I just, I think, just got to give them time. You know, I'll, I think by the end of the season we'll see them uh, sort of, you know, finishing games and and uh, much, with much more calm and confidence. But hopefully with the right little bit of uh, pizzazz and, and uh, the zest in their game, which we love about their game. So I think uh, it's a bit early in the season to
0: start to write them off. Give them time to sort of settle
1: into the new, uh, into the new sheet, so to speak. Yeah, face
0: the Hurricanes this week on Saturday afternoon. What should be another good game. I just remember thinking back to the World Cup semi when when Greg Groudon and I were there at Twickenham and we were kind of looking at each other you know thinking how the Wallabies were, were winning it and winning it well enough on the scoreboard but we know how close the game was I remember looking at the stats at the the finish of the game and it was seriously about 18 line breaks to, to 8 I think was the stat from that semi-final that the Pumas had made so just that little bit of polish they're lacking and you know maybe just pumping the breaks a little bit and reverting to a little bit more stable of a game plan yep. uh, could help them yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Almost
1: like some little bringing a little bit of not conservatism, but just a bit of uh, 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 yeah, just don't rush things. You know, uh, it's great how they initiate things. Yeah, just to finish it off, just a, a couple of calm heads uh, they need in there. And um, you know, maybe uh, like I said, that's why I think at the back end of the season we may see that they, they may be out of the contest as far as getting the finals by then. But I think we'll see a far better, calmer, confident Jaguars side by the end of the season, which will set them up well for next year, I think.
0: The other point with the Jaguars at the moment, uh, some eyebrows have been raised across the Tasman uh, out of that game in uh, against the Blues in Albany last weekend. About their low tackling style, uh, particularly their locks, uh, Guido Petty, I think, has been sort of guilty of it a couple of times. No suspensions yet, but diving in around the knees, Um there was a couple of one. The video did uh, video ref did intervene. The TMO last week had a look, saw the contact with the shoulder and then the arms coming around. Uh, it looks a bit dodgy. I mean, obviously, if the arms do make an attempt, it's a fair tackle. But is it something we should be worried about?
1: Um, I think it's worth raising. Definitely worth becoming a discussion point. Um, it does bring it, some of those tackles. It sort of brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? You know, and uh, and then uh, when you see it, because. Uh, the potential outcome is horrendous. Well, it's like
0: serious, serious knee injuries, yeah, aren't they?
1: exactly. Um, so I think at the very least it's worth being a discussion point, and I think at Sam'sar level, a uh, discussion point with with the Argentinian players as well, just to sort of, uh, like you said, maybe it's their enthusiasm. Um, you could be, some people may think I'm being a bit soft on that one too, their enthusiasm for the game, but certainly uh, when you're talking about tackling style uh they have to at least be reminded of the proper way to tackle, the fair way. Um, It is a contact sport, yes, but there is a fine line between fair contact and uh, uh, even if it's not uh, intended to be, um, you know, unfair contact they've got to be taught how to make it properly and I think that's, I think the Jaguars need maybe uh, one of the referees, officials or, or somebody just come to their training during the week and just have a session couple of sessions, keep an eye on them, let them know that the eye is on them, uh, and then at least gives them a
0: chance to sort of address it. Certainly, Uh, but great to have them in the competition nonetheless, and uh, their supporters added some great colour there last week at Albany. Uh, Mm. I don't know whether they were students out studying (laughs) in New Zealand, but uh, yes, a lot of singing and dancing, which we know (laughs) the Argentine fans bring to any sporting contest they're at. Uh, Wrapping up this week, we're going to go to the Northern Hemisphere and uh, take a look at One of the great wallabies of all time in George Smith. He's been absolutely braining it for wasps over there in the Aviva Premiership. Uh, Being touted as a potential player of the year, um, he just doesn't, you know, he gets better with age almost.
1: Yeah, he's like the ever-ready battery, isn't he? The (laughs) old bunny, I mean, he just keeps on going. And uh, I think he's, uh, um, you know, obviously a remarkable player, but it's just the longevity of his career and the standard of play he's maintained you know, and even when, you know, if you don't see him play some weeks, and then you bump into somebody who saw George Smith, they, they don't, they just so many times somebody says, "Wow, it's amazing. He was the player of the of the match, or he was the, you know." you think, "Oh, they just this is just lip service." And you go and find the, the replay of the match, or you look at the stats, and you go, "My God, it's look at it. He's a standout every week, almost." And um, I think uh, he's. It's, I'm happy for George because he's going to finish his career on his terms and as long as it has been i mean he, he could have been finished earlier with that's right yeah, You talk talked about out. these uh, concussion when he was played for the wallabies last uh, against the british and irish lions and uh, that was probably his worst say injury he's had and um and which could have been far more so i'm very happy that he's going to finish career his career touch wood uh on his terms and hopefully not injured um what will he do next? I don't know, Sam. It's, uh, well, what that's would you the do big with thing.
0: Him? I mean, if, if I'm the ARU, I'm signing him as a development officer, man, manager, something, just so someone else doesn't swoop in and take away his rugby intellectual property. Because mm. the experience that he's had over the game, his time in the game now, what do we go back to? 1999, I think he, he made his yep. debut. You know, we're talking 15, 16 years here of rugby at the top level. Yep. In Europe, in super rugby, at test level. Japan. He's done it all, Japan. You know, we need to really bottle this and make sure someone doesn't swoop in and pick this up from underneath us yeah. because there'll be people who'll be lining up to do it.
1: You know, where he'll be really good at, because I don't think, I mean, we saw him, uh, he did help Eddie Jones with the English side as a consultant for the for the back row. And uh, I think obviously he had a good impact there because the, those English players they respected or they respect George immensely. And... Um, the other thing though i think in australia where he'd be massively he'd be huge would be in a development role okay it's easy to say he could help out checker and uh, but i think checker has enough resources uh, to to draw on already yeah. but give george uh, an opportunity to have a role in a development phase with young kids and we look we look at those we were talking earlier about skills that are lacking sure, yeah. george has skills george is really good with young with young uh, boys and girls and i think he would he would really enjoy that environment because he's not a guy who goes seeking the limelight. He doesn't like the headlines. He He wouldn't really love being at the sideline at a test match, being, you know, with the Wallabies jacket on and having to... You know, he doesn't like all that stuff, he, but he would be great um, with his uh, Islander background as well, uh, with a bunch of young 14-, 15-year-olds uh, and steering
0: that new generation of, of talent through. Yeah, I remember watching him... Um, I think when the ABC used to show the Schoolboy 10s way back in the... <laughs> In the day and he was playing for Cromer High School and I think it was probably Jimmy Maxwell waxing lyrical about him after the game and you thought at the time, well, he's just, this guy's got the raps, let's see what he can do, and he's certainly gone on to dominate. Uh, he's a guy that you've had a bit to do with over the years. What do you think makes him such a, a special player?
1: His uh, humility, really. Because he, I mean, I remember because um, I, I wrote his biography and, uh, and when I was surprised that I was asked to write the biography because I didn't really interview him a lot. And uh, there was a period there where I... Sort of thought that, you know, because um, he was in the Brumbies team that at that generation which didn't really get on very well with the media and there's sort of like a, a, a big, uh, I wouldn't say that was very good relations at all between the Brumbies and the general media, non-Canberra media. And, uh, and at that time everyone thought maybe he was, was aloof and um, that was what I thought. But then I found it was opposite. He's actually quite shy. Yeah. He's a pretty shy sort of guy. And, uh, and when you... Uh, when you do get to know him, he's, he's a very loyal person and um, then again, as I said before, he doesn't seek the headlines, he doesn't seek the limelight and uh, there he is, you know, arguably one of the greatest wallabies or players Australia's ever produced if not one of the greatest players in the world and I think that's why he's still got respect, he's still got longevity in his career he's got high standards of his game because um, he enjoys it and he does it for the right reason you know, whether it's a team, as an individual, no matter what country and. Um, and his humility is just, uh, it's, it's, to him it's, well, he doesn't see it as humility. George is just being George. And it's, it's quite an uncomplicated sort of way to take things, but it's a good lesson, I think, if all of us took a bit of that.
0: Well, certainly some of the players today I think could really look at George Smith and learn a lot from him, as you said. Uh, just quickly before we wrap up this week, a, a bonus, a .5 if you like, a 5.5. Uh, news overnight, we probably should have covered when talking about the Brumbies that David Pocock has gone for three weeks, will only miss two games because of the bye. Um, it's all part of this crackdown on what they call the neck roll or the neck grab. Um, they play the Waratahs as who we mentioned are struggling in Sydney next week uh, they've got the bye both teams have got the bye this week um, is this really going to upset the, the Brumbies cause on the back of that loss to the Chiefs do you think look I think uh, any team without David Pocock is worse for it um, and it'd be easy
1: to say that's great news for the Waratahs uh, but I still think the Brumbies will be uh, you know they're obviously going to be working at you know filling that void and you know adapting their game accordingly Um I, th- I think for the for the Brumbies, uh, it's probably. I mean, it's awful to lose someone of like David Pocock, um, but I still think they'll be able to account for the Waratahs. Uh, I wouldn't say comfortably, but I think they should be confident that they'll be able to address uh, Pocock's uh, loss for those couple of weeks. One good thing, I suppose, for Pocock is a couple of weeks uh, of, of rest as well. Sure, you know, you're talking about longevity of careers and injuries and that type of position, and uh, you know where he's come back from his injuries. You've got to look at the positive from something negative, Um, and I think the Brumbies will uh, will be able to cover Pocock's absence adequately.
0: There you go. uh, Roop, thanks very much for standing in today. It's uh, great to have a a fresh voice on (laughs) Scrum 5. Hopefully I've done uh, the job in the absence of Andy Withers, who will be back next week in the hosting chair, I'm sure. Roop, thanks again, mate, and uh, thanks for listening. (laughs)